Good morning. Now my Mac is you're working. Um, that is some intense music, and I enjoy it. I'm not much of a rocker, um, but that the first service kind of threw me off. Like I've never walked up here to that intro, and uh, when I walked up the first service, I was like, "Holy moly!" I was like, "How do I like follow that?" Um, but um, but I'm going to follow it anyway. Hey, so last week, Ryland, uh, so you're probably wondering where Clayton is. Clayton's still on vacation. I think he's coming back today uh, from vacation um, because he works really hard. And I guess I can say this because he's not here. I work a lot harder than he does, actually. Um, I'm just kidding. I really don't. <laughs> he's like one of the most hardworking people I know. But um, while he's been on vacation, uh, me and Ryland took the, the pulpit, and I'm so glad that we got to do that. And last week, Ryland talked about Andrew and, um, and kind of being the not kind of, being the brother of Peter would be difficult. Well, I kind of have a similar predicament today because I'm talking about James, the brother of John. Uh, so John, you know, the, the dude, Revelation dude, and um, that's a pretty intense disciple. Uh, but today I'm talking about James, uh, not James, the guy who wrote the books, uh, the book James, but James, the son of Zebedee. Uh, there's also another James that is a disciple. It's called James the Less, but you probably know less about James the Less than you do about James the Greater, James, son of Zebedee. So um, uh, I, I know all about siblings because I am one of six. My dad was here in the first service, and he didn't want to be like acknowledged at all. So I was like, somewhere in this room, there's a new person, and I'm not going to point him out. So, um, that's where he was sitting right there, so I'm sorry if you're right there, but he's not there. Anyway, um, but, uh, but he, I, I saw him chuckle when I said, you know, practice makes perfect. And um, I'm the sixth kid, so um, <laughs> being one of six and I'm the sixth kid, per- practice makes perfect. Um, you're welcome, God. Um, not really. Um, hey, I'm, I'm so glad that I get to talk to you guys this morning because um, I relate with a lot of James, not the book of James. I relate with that too because I sometimes I don't watch my mouth and sometimes I don't do what I should, should and I, I'm not like laser focused on God, but, but I relate with this son of Zebedee, this, uh, this son of thunder, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, so... I want to talk to you guys about James, okay? James, like, how do I explain him? Um, Being a son of thunder. Um, Actually, we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, James is called by by Jesus right after he's called, um, after Simon and, Simon, which is Peter, and Andrew are called by Jesus and um, if you turn your Bibles to Matthew 4, 18, it says this. As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. 
They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called to them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. When James was called, he immediately started following Jesus. And I'm not, being the sixth kid, I was super, super, super lazy, okay? Because everything got done for me, okay? Because um, there's not enough chores to go around, obviously. Um, no, but I felt like that. I got the easy way out. And a lot of times, um, when it came to, to Noah McCormick, the, the youngest kid, um, I, I didn't have to, like, give as much, because I was the baby. Everybody was like, little baby, Noah. My sisters, they would, they would be like, little baby, Noah. They still could, probably. If I wanted to sit inside of their lap, they'd probably rock me and be like, my widow, Noah. Okay? My brothers didn't have that same sentiment, but that's fine, too. Um, but, but when my parents would say to do something, I was not an immediate person. Like, I wasn't like, I'm there. But as I've gotten older, the only way I get things done is if it's immediate, like immediately immediate. So Caitlin will ask me to do something, and I'm like, well, if I don't do it right now, I'm not going to do it. Or if I stop building the porch right now, the porch is not going to be built. And I've been trying to build a back porch for like months now, and it hasn't gotten done, and I have to do it immediately, and I did it immediately yesterday. And it was, oh, that's my family. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's me, little baby Noah right there. Um, and then that's my oldest sister, Carrie, um, and then my brothers on the, the bottom left and right. Um, th- this picture was not from 1907. Um, and then there's Holly and Megan up there. They're so cute. My brother's a little, yeah, but, um, oh, Cody's probably watching this right now. My, okay, so that brother. Let me tell you something about Cody. I'm just kidding. Cody would probably be mad if I said what I was going to say, um, but... Those are, those are my siblings. They're wonderful. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, well, I don't even know what I'm saying now. I, I saw myself and I was like, that is a cute baby. Um, James responded immediately. And by responding immediately, it set him on course to do something incredible. And the incredible things that he's going to do um, are like... We, we could never produce them because he hung out with Jesus. He doesn't know that he's about to go on a three-year long journey with Jesus, learn a whole bunch of stuff, that he's going to, um, he's going to become like best friends, like frenzies with Jesus, which is even cooler. And then in 15 years or less, probably less, he is going to die. We, we don't think of these disciples living like living these short lives after they meet Jesus, but a lot of them did. And, and within 15 years from this very moment, from him, him being with his dad, just throwing out nets and, and cleaning them up and preparing them, he doesn't, he doesn't know that he's going to die. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself with his death, but... I, I want to see, I, I, want to, I want us to see what we learn from James. I think that's the point of, of being able to see these disciples because we, we don't have an autobiography about each one because it's not about them. 
And it's not about us. So, so if we're going to learn anything from these disciples, it's, it's the, the biggest thing is that it, it's not about the disciples. The disciples were just normal people. I'm just a normal, see, look how, how like, I'm just leaning against this, okay? Just a normal person, okay? This is horrible teaching etiquette, okay? Normal people called by God to do extraordinary things. And James, being a normal person, was called into this direct and unique thing, just as we are. So if you're writing notes, the first note, God's calling is direct and unique. And it was for James, and it is for you. Even though it's not about you, God tailor fits a calling for you. Before you were ever even a twinkle in your parents' eyes, you were thought of by God, and he had a plan for you. And that plan is unique. And I'm not saying that, that like, okay, well, um, the, the way to get to heaven is unique. No, that's not unique. Jesus. Jesus, 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 until it gets to you. And then he says specific, unique, direct, special. So. I was trying to think of a way to illustrate this. I think I found a way. It's not cigarettes. Like I asked earlier, you got cigarettes inside of your shirt? Yep, exactly. These are 52 reasons why my wife loves me. We were poor like year three. Actually, we're still poor. But um, we were poorer uh, year three, I think it was. I don't know. Um, and Caitlin was like, hey, I'm going to go to Dollar, Dollar Tree and buy these cards. And on the back of every card, I'm going to uh, put a little piece of construction paper that just says, like, something she loves about me. And I can't read all of these for obvious reasons. Um, but, gosh, Noah, stop. Stop. Um, here's just a few. The way you, I love her family. She loves that about me. How I pray with her and she prays with me. How I focus only on what God thinks about me. I, thanks. Um, can't read that one. Um, your knowledge and understanding of the Bible. This is fantastic. You are so fun. I'll end on that one. Um, so, you know why I illustrate it that way? It's because I can look at each of you guys, and you do not know me that well. Like, literally, if you were to take all of you guys and take all the knowledge of me, it would not be as much knowledge as Caitlin has for me. My dad was in the first service. I already mentioned that. But I even said, my dad doesn't even know everything about me as much as my wife does. And because and, and, she loves me. Because she, she's my better half. We, we have this relationship that she better know more than Roger DeCoster knows about me. You know, and even somebody I, I work with every day, Ryland. Ryland knows jack about me. Just knows nothing. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Yeah, he might know some stuff. I don't know. But 
He does not know nearly as much as Caitlin knows about me. It's because my relationship with Caitlin is so unique and so direct that we know each other better than anyone else knows us. And taking that a step further, 900 steps further, God knows me way better than Caitlin ever will. It's because his calling on my life, his will for my life is so direct, it is so unique. I'm thankful for that. And some of you guys may not have that relationship with God. Some of you guys may, may be floating through this life, and maybe that's how you feel. Maybe you just feel like you are floating. But you do not have a relationship with God. You, you don't know. When I say it's direct and unique, that means nothing to you. Because you've never trusted God. You've never said, I want a relationship with you. Reading between the lines, we see that James gave up a significant about, amount of worth. What we can assume is, is because Zebedee is, James isn't called James fill in the blank, like, like the, the man of rock. He's not called from the get-go like, like the older brother of John. He's not saying like James. Like the, he, Jesus could have even said big James. Because there's going to be a small James, which Clayton's going to talk to you about in a couple weeks. He could have characterized them just by that, but he didn't. He characterized them him by a name that everyone in that time would know. Everyone around the Sea of Galilee would know. And that's James, the son of Zebedee. Obviously, James worked for Zebedee, John worked for Zebedee, Simon worked for Zebedee, Andrew worked for Zebedee. And if they're on the Sea of Galilee, that seems like it's probably a pretty hot spot. So you don't give the hot spot to somebody that's just starting out. No, you give it to the Walmart, right? You don't give the Sea of Galilee all those fish to just the little podunk little boat no, you give that to the fleet of boats that can bring in all the fish and make the town lots and lots and lots of money. So what we assume is, is that Zebedee was, was not a poor guy, which means that being the older brother of John, James is set to inherit the whole business. So he's sitting there in the boats with his dad and his dad is, I, I just imagine, because this is how my dad talks, our man, you got, you got to get down, man. You got to work. You got to work on these nets, all right? James, now you listen. You're going to be taken over after I kill over, all right? You, you got to mend these nets. James, listen, okay? And James looks up and someone's calling him. And who is it? If, this is Jesus. And that day, that very day, immediately, Zebedee loses his two sons and two other fishermen. Because the calling for their life 
that Jesus was like, no, you guys. So unique, so direct. that he said, I don't want any of these other people on the other boats. He wants two sets of brothers. Those two sets of brothers end up being his besties. Just so close to him. He becomes, James becomes one of the inner four, which is a silly way of saying that James, James and, and Jesus were pretty close. And he ended up going on to see a bunch of other stuff um, that nobody else got to see. Like, um, like Mark 5, Jesus raises a girl from the dead. Not all the disciples saw that. The transfiguration of Jesus, James was there. And he saw Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah. He got like the front row to a pretty cool show. And then let's not forget, he saw the risen Christ. James was was not like some like, eh, were you, were you, did you really know Jesus? No, like probably one of the people who knew Jesus the closest. And he is our example for today. It's pretty awesome. Jesus's or God's calling on your life is not lackluster. If anything, it is incredible. James wasn't sitting in a boat thinking to himself, I really hope I can feed 5,000 people with just some bread and fish. He wasn't thinking, you know what? I wonder if I'll ever see a dead girl risen from the dead. He wasn't thinking, hey, I'll probably see the Messiah inside of my lifetime and become best friends with them. No. He was just a fisherman, a normal dude. But God had this amazing calling on his life. So, then what happened? Well, after hanging out with Jesus a little bit, Jesus looked at John and James and he said, you know what, you guys, I'm going to give you guys a new nickname. The Sons of Thunder. Because these guys were not like zealous, like, I am zealous for the Lord. They were like overboard bold. Super, super, super bold. Because zeal is just an ingredient of faith. Just an ingredient. And what we're going to learn through James, uh, the, the story of, of this disciple, is that it is a measured ingredient. It is not the whole pour in all the zeal. No. There's a lot of finesse to zeal. This reminds me of the first time I ever wrestled. Okay, check this out. This is, you guys are going to love this story, I think. I don't know. Fourth grade, I walk into the UMAC inside of Tulsa. And I'm like, let's do this. I've been wrestling for four days. Let's see how good I am. I'm in fourth grade. I weigh 84 pounds. Solid. Solid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. Um, But walk in there, just saw, look at all the other fourth graders. I'm like, I can beat you. I can beat you. I can beat you. You guys are nothing. So... I'm getting ready. This is how you get ready when you're wrestling. Except for I didn't shake as much back then. Anyway. um, But I'm getting ready to wrestle. And I look at all these other guys. 
They've got headgear. They've got wrestling singlets. Don't make fun of them because they are a man's wardrobe. (laughs) Headgear, wrestling singlets, wrestling shoes. They've got the braces. They've got all, they've got like the look in their eye. They're like, they're wrestlers. And I'm like, whew, I'm going to kill them. I didn't have headgear. I didn't have the wrestling singlet. I just had a pair of old shorts that were too big for me and my shirt tucked into them. And I wore socks, okay, like tube socks. And guess what? I did not care. I was, I was so ready to just wrestle. I didn't care. I was looking at these other people and be like, wow, look at all those rich people that are able to buy a helmet for their kid. I don't need a hel- helmet. So I, I, I went out there and I was so ready. And my excitement fire was like burning pretty, pretty fierce. And I got in the middle of the, the mat, and I remember I was ready, and like 10 seconds into it, the referee's like, raises my hand. I'm like, that was easy. He's like, oh, the opponent didn't show up. You didn't have to do anything, so you win. And I'm like, yes! Run up onto the bleachers, run up to my mom. She's like, my baby boy! And she's like, she's hugging me and kissing me. I'm like, thanks, mom. Now you're embarrassing me in front of all my friends, you know? And then my dad looks at me, and he says something to this effect. I bet that boy was scary of you, and he didn't show up. And I said, by golly, you're right, Daddy. And I believed it. And I was like, you know what? My excitement fire burned, and it was burning. And I was, I was ready for that next match, and I went out on that next match, and I was ready. And I remember his name was Ashley. I don't know why his name was Ashley. It was a guy, okay? Uh, but I just remember his name. It might have been his last time. It doesn't matter. And I remember I was looking at him. He had his headgear on. He had this frizzy hair that went through his headgear. And I was like, oh, this guy means business. And I shook his hand. And I remember I was like, I'm going to kill him. Right? And as soon as that whistle blew, guess what I did? Tacked that kid. Took him down. I held on to him for dear life. He was flipping and Okay, I remember he was like grunting. It was horrible, okay? Okay, if you know anything about wrestling, a takedown is two points. And I got two points the entire match, and he got zero, so I won. But it was because I held on for dear life. He never got back up because I was just so ready. But this is the important part. I went out of bounds. I locked my hands, which you're not supposed to lock your hands when you're down. Um... I was mean to him. I was like, like hitting him with stuff and not, it's not good. Okay, I did not know how to wrestle. I won that match. And you guys, you guys are probably thinking fourth grade. Do you even remember all of this? Yes, I do. Because I've got the medal right here. Okay, first union, gold medal, only had to wrestle two people for it. Okay, and one of them didn't even show up because he was scared. Okay, this is the proof of my manliness. I did not win another match for three years. Okay? Like bad. You know why? Because my skill had to match my zeal. I I went in with no technique and with just confidence. And this kid named Ashley, poor kid, just... 
He didn't know what hit him. But here's, here's the deal. And I bet you guys can relate with this too. Um, success out of zeal is good. But it is short-lived. You can like move and shake and be like, ah, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. Yes, Buzzy Noah. But with no technique, with no real skill, you will fail. And that's exactly what we see with James. He went out and he was like, oh yes, God, I will follow you. Sees the son of God, I will follow you. Goes and follows him. It's a measured ingredient of faith though, because check this out. As James flirted with the line of zeal, it made him too bold sometimes. He went out of bounds. He didn't follow the rules. And even one time he told Jesus, him and his brother said, hey, in the kingdom of heaven, we're going to sit next to you. Super confident. Super, super confident. Like A for confident. And <laughs> doesn't even make sense now. Um, so confident, but Jesus rejected that because they didn't know. They, they, they didn't know what they were saying. They, they, how could they? They, they, were just, they were just overly confident. And then another time, James is way too big for his britches. Luke 9, 51 through 56, this is this. When the days were coming to a close for him, Jesus, to be taken up, he determined, Jesus determined to journey to Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of himself, and on the way he entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But they did not welcome him because he determined to journey, the, to, journey to Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? Dude, that's bold. But he, Jesus, turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. Noting a few things there, one, it escalated, that escalated way too quickly. We're just having a normal day. Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to send some people to go to this place. The Samaritans are like, you can't stay here. No offense, but we know you're going to Jerusalem. We're against that. Jesus, his response is, we'll just go to another place. James and John, their response is, let's kill them with fire. <laughs> and I don't think I'd ever kill someone with fire, but I relate with that. Like sometimes I'm like, I'm like, God, what are you calling me to? You're calling me to a wasso? Yes, let's tackle the wasso. You know, I don't know. Like just some like weird idea inside of my head. An example, and man, why am I even sharing this when it's recorded, but it is. Young Noah McCormick dated everyone in Owasso. So if you had a daughter if, around my age, I dated her. And until I found Caitlin. Because in sixth grade, my dad was like, man, you better find a woman. And I was like, I better find a woman. And he was like, you're going to be faithful to that woman. And I was like, yes, I will. Then I was like, there's a lot of cute girls. So I started dating one. And I was like, eh. 
went on to the next one until I dated way too many girls. And this is, this is what happened, though. I, I get to, to Caitlin, and it's hard for me to even explain to her why she is the one. Does that make sense? I had exhausted so much of my zeal, my excitement, my, my good intentions to be like, I'm going to find a woman. I'm going to marry that woman up. But how was that saying to, to your, your wife? Like, I promise you are the one for me. One of the thousand, but you are one. See, that escalated so quickly for me. The same thing with James. It's just a story of escalation until you've got this guy that's just doing too much. Going overboard. And the other thing to note is, is to say Jesus didn't say, get out of my group. You're not my friend anymore. What he said was, let's back up, realign, and let's go. Let's back up, let's go to another village, and then let's go to Jerusalem. That's what God does in our lives. He says, got a little crazy, let's back up, let's do this my way. James's faith, so passionate in the right place, but it led him down into dark places and being a tad askew from what God wanted. Even if it's just a tad askew, it is way too far off from what God is calling us to. Even if just a little bit of us are like, yeah. I'll just do this one thing by myself. No. We must use the, the zeal. And all of you guys have, have this excitement. This, this excitement fire is what I call it inside of my own life. Everybody has this excitement fire. And it's got to be trimmed. It's got to move in the right direction. And the only way you're going to see that clearly is if you're trusting in God. So, I said earlier that James and his brother, John, said to Jesus, hey, inside of the kingdom of heaven, we are going to sit next to you. This is what Jesus said. He said that James and John both would both suffer persecution just as Jesus would. John, we know, later on writes the book of Revelation. But what happens to James? We find out that um, the early church, after Jesus um, dies, rises again, ascends into heaven, we find out that the early church, they, they, were, they were moving and growing. They were, they were, they were really excited. And, and they, were, they were growing so quickly that, that it, it started to bother some of the people who were against, against Christianity and a guy named King Herod decided to make an example. And he said, you know what? I'm going to imprison as many of the early church people as we can. And he imprisoned all these people. Stephen had already died and 
out of all the disciples, James was the first to be killed for his faith. Someone with so much zeal, so much excitement, we, we may say, man, he, he didn't get to grow old in that excitement and be an old man and be like, come to the Lord, I say, come to him. With all that zeal, no. For a little time, a, a select time that God had James on this earth, He used him with that zeal in the right direction to help start the early church. And for the time that God has you on this earth, he has called for you to follow after him. So three things. And then you guys will all eat lunch. You guys can come to lunch with me if you want. We're having sandwiches at my house. Peanut butter and jelly. Um, Not really. I don't have any peanut butter and jelly right now. Um, Three things. One, if you do not have a relationship with God, you are missing out. This is why God has called you to a unique and direct relationship with him. Secondly, if you are a Christian, and you do live for yourself, even though you are a Christian. You say, you know what? I make my decisions. I do it on my terms, the way that I want to. And you, you've let the, the teeter-totter of zeal overwhelm your faith. And it's just you. Just you doing stuff. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And say, God, I want to realign my values and my trust to match Christ and him alone. And then the third thing, if you are struggling, you don't feel like you have that that fire in your heart. I want to challenge you guys. Be bold. Be bold And let your faith be known to your neighbor, your boss, your friends, your family. Don't shy away from your faith. Be zealous for the Lord. Make a difference. Stand up and be heard. You don't have to actually physically stand up and be heard. Like those annoying people that stand on like tables and they're like, you're going to hell. Don't do that. Unless if you have to. It's a weird line. to. Um, just remember that it is Christ and his glory, not your own. So at the end of the day, as you're about to lay down your head, you say, God, all of that excitement, all of that, that love I showed to people, I want you to have all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Amen. Let's pray. God, you are so gracious and you are so good to us. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the example of James that teaches us that we can be full of zeal and make a difference. That you have called us to do amazing things 
with excitement. But God, that also teaches us that, that you correct us with your patience. You were so patient with James. I know you're patient with me and you're patient with each and every one of those who are our are, are children. So God, please, please help us to live this out. Be bold in our faith and humble ourselves before you. We trust you. We love you. We always give you glory. We always give you praise forever and always. Amen.